Welcome to the Daniel McInnes Podcast, a podcast for small businesses who are seeking great practical advice about marketing and sales. Danielle thinks like a customer. Even as a little kid, she always has shown deep empathy for others. Dan uses this customer insight to help small businesses create practical marketing strategies that work. Using this customer-centric approach and her 20 years' experience in sales and marketing, Dan takes what is in your head, adds her expertise to create a system to assist you make better marketing decisions, attracts a regular stream of ideal customers, and creates a brand that your employees and customers will love. Hope you enjoy this podcast. Today I'm so excited to introduce you Eric from Design Damage and Eric has had a a great corporate career and also a career in internet marketing. He's a really savvy business um, coach and I think he's got a lot of value to add in terms of understanding how to leverage that authentic brand that we all have as small business owners. So I asked him how he actually got into doing what he he does well um let's say i just got lucky no i'm just kidding <laughs> well um when i first got out of college i you know was working for this uh, motorsports company and basically i've i know nothing about motorsports actually it's motorbikes motorcycle uh-huh. and you know i was a hire as a designer and i started working in design and then um you know long story short i became the president of that company And, you know, it was through a lot of struggle, but mostly it's because I learned about what customers' needs are simply because um, I don't ride motorcycle and I was managing the company. um, I was designing the products that people buy and selling it and marketing it, and yet I don't use any of them. Mm. And it was kind of always interesting because we grew the company to, you know, uh, know, five, six million dollars. Wow. And I was kind of, I was young mm-hmm. and most everyone was you know, a little bit older than me. And so I have to really prove myself yeah. and go out and sell, you know, go out and sell to big distributors and you know, sell to you know, people that would give, give us a million dollar order. And the challenge that I face is that people always look at me as someone who is, a, you know, lucky, got, you know, I got lucky. I fell into that position and I don't know anything about the products or the market. You know, in a sense, I think people are right half the time. Mm-hmm. But um, the other half is I really what I did was so I, what I did was I went out and I started to go to all the stores where people go buy motorcycle gears. Mm-hmm. I start interviewing every owner and I asked them all the questions mm-hmm. about what customers look for and everything. I took notes mm-hmm. and then I took the same notes to the salespeople who sell those products and I asked them the same questions. Mm-hmm. And then I took it back took those questions back to our management and said, look, what people, what the store owners think and what the salespeople that sell to the store owner think are two different things. Mm. And then I have customers who buys the product directly from us as well from internet. And so we, I asked them the same question. Mm -hmm. So here we are, you know, there's a funnel, you know, sell distributors sells to store owners or dealers and then dealers sell to consumers um, I ended up finding out that there's a disconnect in every funnel. Yeah. And what we did was we took what the customer want at the very end, and we took it to our product development managers, and we said, look, we need to develop a product like this. 
but we need along the way build marketing into it so that we can sell it to the people that's going to sell it. Mm. And so long story short, we found out about what people really want, what people really need. And then I was able to successfully sell through, you know, a couple of big markets and then worldwide. And then, um, you know, after that, I, you know, start you know, focusing a lot on Internet marketing because um, we found out that, you know, a lot of the sales that can be made directly online, selling direct, give us a lot higher margins. Mm-hmm. So the company started to sell online. And, um, you know, long story short, you know, after that, I started to doing consulting um, for other companies and, and work for startup companies who, you know, was trying to build an Internet business as well. So everything has evolves around Internet business. And I learned a lot about business. And so from that point forward, um, you know, I, I had people who kept on coming up to me. And this was back early 2000s. So mm-hmm. not a lot of people know extensively about Internet business. They know a lot about Internet technology, but not the business aspects of it. Yeah, I agree. I and agree. so, yeah, so, so that's basically what happened. Look, and, you know, it's so interesting because as you sort of – I just wonder, Eric, whether that was – that, that – um, discovery of you know you actually not knowing the market really sort of made you go out and find out and do the research or whether you have just in your personality a need to you know look have the customer at at the core of of what you're trying to do because what strikes me is you know with your blog and what you're, you're doing a lot of it is based around you know how do you identify that ideal customer and that that sort of that inside or business savvy, it's a little bit unique, I think, for an internet marketer to come at it from that angle, and and something that I really appreciate. I just wonder what you thought about that. Well, I think when you, I think a lot of the times it's it's psychology, you know, it's understanding people. Um, ultimately, people don't buy products; they buy into the relationship. You know, they buy into like they have to like something, or it has to serve them a purpose. Mm-hmm. So in many ways, you know, for me, it was that because because I don't have any knowledge of the products I'm selling, managing and marketing, I had to go and get that information. Mm-hmm. And so I went out and I got that information and, you know, in a way, kind of reverse engineered that process and said, look, that's what they want. Let's give it to them. And it's just, I just, well, I just think it's whether it's you could be objective because you didn't have that information or whether that's just, you know, the, the process that you would use. I, I guess what I'm saying is I see that approach in, you know, in your um, blog and the way you go about business, which is really refreshing. And, and, and it, it sort of feels like for me it stems from wanting to know that customer insight, which is, look, I, I think it's a bit novel. <laughs> I do. I think- I, I think I mean I, you made some great points there. You know, I think um, one of the things that I've learned early on is that I get sales numbers, and I would sit down with my managers, and I would say, "Hey, you know, maybe California, New York, and Texas is doing really well, but how come these other states are not doing well?" And then I would, would call the reps in the area, and they would tell us, "Oh, it's winter time. You know, they don't ride motorcycle now; they ride a snowmobile." So mm-hmm. guess what? We made the clothing for snowmobile. <laughs> so we came out with another brand for that. So it's kind of like if you don't know what they want, you in your head, you're selling what you think they want. Yeah, exactly. Right? But if people, and, and that's where I think a lot of disconnect happened with, with Internet marketing is that, you know, if you're talking to everybody, you're talking to nobody. I know. You know? 
I know, and you know what, it's not just internet marketing. I met with a management consultant yesterday and, you know, he was showing me his website and more importantly, he was sort of showing me his schematic business plan. And you know what, Eric, he had ticked every box. He could do leadership. He could do team coaching. He could do, and you know what, it just felt vanilla to me because it was Mm -hmm. so broad that he just goes in the stack with everyone else. And so... I think, I don't know if you find this, this would be interesting, but when I sit down with a, particularly my clients are small businesses, when I sit down with them, the biggest challenge I have is getting them to say no and just to define, (laughs) you know, to a small market that they can serve effectively. Right. It's the, you know, it's, it's the feeling that you're missing out on opportunities. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's, 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 I don't want to say it's small business mentality, but it's because they don't have a firm grasp on their market. Yeah. You know, if you do, you know that customer, you are not afraid to lose the customer that's not profitable for your business. Yeah. Or even that's just, you know, or even if you're just going to be selective, I mean, maybe many niches could be profitable, but gee, isn't it expensive to try and market them into your funnel if you've got so many niches that you've got to cover and communicate and, as you said, build a relationship with? I mean, that's hard right. work. It is, and that's why you know people don't scale. Our our you know time don't scale, right? We can't be you know. I I would love to copy myself and have ten of myself working from me, right? <laughs> yes. But that's just not possible. So you need to focus on the most profitable area, yeah. especially when you're a small business. Exactly. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about you know I guess your tagline is and correct me if I'm wrong, um, cracking the code of the internet or cracking code of the mm-hmm. internet. Can you give me sort of some insight and in the listeners about, you know, what you believe the code is of the internet, of internet marketing? I think um, because it's changing all the time. It's a living, breathing thing. Mm-hmm. Internet, it consists of many computers, right, connect together. But behind it, really, it's people operating it and setting up, you know, I websites, platforms, you know, channels where people go to, you know, and in fact, I talk about a lot about this where I work with people is that, you know, I might search for a product on Google, but I won't buy it until two weeks later. So, but I have to, you have to think about that, the attribution of where information comes in, where, you know, it's a, it's a funnel, right? But, but when, when I buy, I convert it. So for small business, same thing. When the customer buys your product, buys your consulting, gives you their business, they had to go through a process. On the internet, it's random. It's it, it's called linear media compared to you know linear media like TV where there's a beginning, middle, and end. And you you kind of have to go through that experience. Mm-hmm. But on the internet, you construct your own experience. So if I don't find what I want on this page, I'm gone. Bounce rate. Bounce, you know, and that's how things happen with internet. And so the strategy is vastly different. And so what I was, you know, crack, cracking the code of internet marketing really is about people. You know, the code is is how to you know build relationship with people. That is the code. But you have to. There has to be an integrated approach. Not one thing work and can work all the time. Yeah. Look, I agree. I absolutely agree. And I think the biggest thing that I struggle with the audience I deal with and 
and I'm assuming you, you deal with small businesses too, is, you know, they're hearing these conversations around Facebook and Twitter and, and whatever, LinkedIn, and I don't think they actually understand Firstly, how to use them in a business sense. I mean, every time I mention Facebook, people say, but that's my personal thing. And secondly, I think that it's a very difficult decision for them to decide, well, I can't be on all of these tools. Which one do I pick? And I just wonder what your thoughts were about around actually selecting the right mix or that, you know, that holistic approach, but selecting the right mix of internet and social media and touch points, I guess really touch points that um, a small business, you know, how do they choose? Well, you have to know, again, it goes back to knowing your customer, right? Knowing where they're at. Like if I ask you, you know, you know, 80% who's, what, well, 80% of your customer, what do they read regularly? Mm. Where do they go? What do they like? How, you know, how's their life like? If you can't describe your ideal customer or what, the customer that you have right now, you don't have a target audience. Mm. You can't have a strategy built on nothing. Yeah. Right? So if you tell me that, you know, my customers are moms who likes to find deals, well, then, you know what, what, where do they go? Do they just go to Groupon? Do they just go to, you know, deal websites? Do they just go to certain blogs? Once you find out where they're at, you have to put yourself in their shoes and create, you know, a funnel for that. Create a way to engage them through that. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's kind of abstract. When you know, I kind of hate to say the word engage because a lot of people don't understand. When you engage, you don't just knock on people's door and say, "Hey, I have a great product. I know it's going to be great for you. Buy it." Mm-hmm. But it's it's in a way to give them enough information to, so they convince themselves that yes, I really do need an iPad. I'm going to buy it. Yeah. You know, and but it's you have to get people to to be convicted on that. And it's very difficult. So if you want to choose Facebook, well, Facebook, you know, kind of give it a nutshell, is a very upper funnel um, um, market network, meaning people don't want to buy on the uh, Facebook, mm. you know, uh, and so the buying intent is low. Facebook is usually used for um, demand generation, building awareness, creating reach, mm. whereas something like pay search, like PPC. Um, it's for you know demand fulfillment, where when the demand the people are ready to buy, I'm ready to buy. I want to compare all the you know I already found out did my research. I want this kind of product out of the, all these options. I want to find the best deal. That's when people use Google and say you know coupons for Dell computer, and then they click on whatever link they see, mm-hmm. and that has a really high direct marketing component in there. Because you need to be able to measure your fulfillment funnel, as opposed to demand generation. Mm-hmm. So that's you know again, and I don't want to get into too deep of that. But my thing is always about if you know your customer, reverse engineer. Tell me what where do they go? What do they do in the morning? What do they drink? How do they like? And that's why you see so much privacy issues on social networks because they are collecting these information right now. Mm. And I think that's a bit of a concern. I um, look, you know, I'm sure of it. I'm sure that people are aware of how much information that they disclose. And I, you know, my brother-in-law said, "Look, I don't use Facebook because I'm objecting against Facebook having my IP." <laughs> and I thought, right. "Well, you know what? He's, he's right." Um, the question that I wanted to ask you 
because I come up against it a lot, it's really a, a barreled question. There's two really that I want to ask you in the one. One is, um, you know, how much information or how much are you a fan of distributing all the information or all of your intellectual property without putting it behind a gate like an email? And so that's one question as opposed to, you know, making people sign up for information. And the second part of the question is, do you think that these secret formulas or these, you know, um, internet marketers claiming to have one way of doing it or one model or one system, do you think there's any merit in it? Well, the first question is actually quite simple. You, it's like this, if, if you create a form and you have all these information you want people to fill out, you're creating barriers mm. for, the, for them to access you, right, whatever you put out there. If they don't know the goods, they don't know that you have the goods, how are they going to give you their business? Because they don't know that you have it. <laughs> exactly. It's hidden in a closet somewhere. <laughs> right? Yeah. And But then the thing is, people say, oh, well, it's the idea of, look, if you give it for free, you know, it's, and, and, and people can benefit from it, yeah. But if they don't get it free from you, they'll get it free from someone else. Isn't that the truth? I mean, you can just about get it anywhere, can't you? Exactly. And, and a lot of times, you know, I hate to admit this, but if you see someone that wants to sign up for something to get a document or a research report, you can literally use, you know, go to Google, type in the title of the research and then put in PDF. You'll find that yeah. someone actually link it. Now, I'm not encouraging that. My point to you is that Internet is made for openness. And so in that sense... If you give it out something for free and you have really good stuff, well, people are going to come back for more. So can I ask you, is there any point to having an email client or email campaign? Like, yeah, I mean, email, you, okay, so email, email campaign. That? Or when email do you collect campaign. a list, I guess that's the question. You know, when, well, when is it a good idea to collect a list? So you need to have, first of all, again, it goes back to you want to have a strategy, right? So when, when, when you want people to give you their email. What's in it for them, right? Uh, 50% off this one item, you know, it's kind of like, oh, 20% off coupons or free consultation. I mean, I did all that stuff and I get a lot of people calling and they or, or email me for consultation. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it comes down to me if I can provide them the value that they perceive that they want to get, if they can get that. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, okay, I, I'm re I, get, I get emails like this. I'm really intrigued in what you do. I, I have a small business. I need help. I don't want to grow it. How can you help me? <laughs> yeah, I do too. So what do right? you do and, with that? <laughs> well, I said, well, you know, first of all, let's, you know, let's have a conversation about you, right? Let's have a conversation and I can only give you a 15 minute conversation. Yep. That's about, let's find out about what, what, you know, if I, what I have may be able to help you. So the conversation evolves around the client's needs, not about what I have to sell you. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and so that's where I would say, like, most people make the mistake of trying to sell something yeah. when you don't even know if it's a match. And I do, look, I, I do exactly the same thing. I did used to do a complimentary and, you know, I'm just, I'm just too busy now. But I, so I've changed my structure a bit. I still do that 15-minute let find out I need to have an idea if I can actually even service your needs but I guess you know my content strategy is I'm putting it all out there I want them to know everything about me because they're better 
educated they are, the more likely I'm going to get the right customer coming to me and they see the value of what I do. And look, I know you have the same philosophy because your content is awesome. So, yeah, it strikes me that that's, it's a different mentality to a lot of people that put put it behind, you know, a lead capture um, strategy, if you like. Right. And so the other um, answer to your question about all the, you know, internet marketing. Yeah stuff out there, I can tell you this right now, is that's the strategy they use, right? So it's about pushing the button of what can I say or what can I, how can I market something that it's as close as to magic but not quite lying. Yeah. Right? So it makes it like, wow, there's a system I have, automatic, you know, cash-making system, that's going to give you cash out of your computer. If, if there's such a thing exists, it, why would they tell you, first of all, right? So it's really us, human being, our psychology playing our head. Like, oh, wow, we want that. and Because yeah. we all have that. We have that, you know, we, you have certain, you know, we're greedy. We want uh, more than what we can, by help what we can chew. And so a lot of times they use that weakness in people, you mm. know, to lure them in. And the issue that I have is, you know, I actually bought a lot of internet products myself because I want to find out. Yeah. It's not because I don't know. It's because I really want to find out. I can tell you probably three out of four people don't have the goods. It's yeah. junk. I know, but if you do find that person that does have something that's valuable and isn't promising to be everything to everyone but does have you know, some information that would have taken either you a long time to put together or, you know, is very niche focused, then, you know, I kind of feel like sometimes that's okay. You know, as yeah, long it as is. they're being it is. I'm not saying it's not okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's okay and I, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying that what happens a lot of people do is they repackage the, the, the information oh, of what they receive and then they, they resell it. You know, it's like the affiliate marketing people do a lot of that. Yeah. I agree. You know, and so and so that is in a way, you know, kind of you're 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 devaluing, you know, what that other person's content is or you know, their product well, how, is. Well how do we choose? I mean, how do we know the one that's actually gonna be of high value and the one that's just junk? You know, that's well, I think that's I think a lot of people go into you know, even if they were sort of intrigued and actually wanted to go down that path, and I'm not talking about the long, spammy, hypey sales letter necessarily, but, you know, I think that we're getting more savvy and we're sort of looking at it going, well, you know what, that's probably existing free somewhere unless there's a really compelling relationship with that individual and I think that's what, you know, that's what it's coming back to. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And it's, it's, it's again, it's, it all when people go on the Internet, they're reading by themselves. It's one-on-one. So they have a conversation. And when they read your content, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. And so in, a lot of internet marketers use, you know, the, like you said, the hype and all that. I think hype is important, but it, it cannot be lying. It can't, you can't yeah. be lying to people, yeah. you know. So. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's good. Um, I, I just wanted to know what you thought about this. Look, do you think it's a really good time to be starting a small business? I think it's a great time to start a small business, you know, pretty much any time, mm-hmm. but because th- it's a, it's entrepreneurship, you know, and and I I, I I encourage people 
you know, to do to step outside of their comfort zone. Um, change sucks, I know, but <laughs> if you you won't know what you're made out of, what you can do if you don't try it. You know, and then I, I really truly believe in that, and I think right now, you know, it's a good time because we're in a technology paradigm shift. You know, we're also in a marketing business paradigm shift. You know, there's cloud computing, there's social media, you know, and people are working more remotely. There is, you know, really inexpensive virtual assistants you can hire to build your business. So in many ways, there's a lot of way to build a business that you can never do, say, even five years ago at a very marginal cost. Yeah. You know, building a WordPress website. I remember when I used to build websites in, you know, in 1998, 99. I mean, people were charging $10,000 for a two-page website. Yeah. You know, now you can make 10 of those websites in two minutes. Exactly. I mean, and, you know, look, I've just been building my team and, you know, I've got a designer in Sweden. <laughs> I've got a virtual assistant in um, the Philippines. I have, you know, some students in Australia because I support them as well and I've got a Google guy in the U.S. And, look, you know, it, the important thing for me is that we all get on and we all have the same value set, um, but I don't care where they are. Um, right. You know, it, it, it's what I need. It's it, You know, if they've got the right skill set, then I'm going to go there. Right. And and ultimately, you know how to provide value to your customer. Yeah, ex- exactly right. Because if, if you are paying too much, then you have to be forced to raise your prices on your clients. Yeah, well, it's it's sometimes about price, but it's sometimes just about skill. I mean, sometimes it's just that particular skill set that I'm finding that I want to get the best person for. So, right. you know, I might have had a relationship with someone that I went on Fiverr, and this is how I got my designer. I went on to Fiverr.com. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that site. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. yeah, I have experience with that. Yeah, so for the listeners, it's a site where you can go and get someone to do something for $5 and a lot of freelancers start off there because what they're doing is building a relationship with, you know, a particular individual and, okay, it costs them, you know, $5 and probably a few hours' work to do the, the work but if they do good work then they've got a chance of doing other work and the designer that I found was awesome. Now, I'm not paying $5 an hour now but I needed to be able to have a place to test him out and not just his work. And he, but his work ethic and his sense of humour and whether he fitted in with the culture of the company and it just gave me a, a good piloting place to do that. So, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, look, I agree. I reckon there's never been a better time to start a small business. It's just what business and rather than starting it from necessarily <laughs> what your passion is, I think you've right. actually got to reverse engineer it, which is what you've sort of been saying all along, you know maybe you should find out what the market wants rather than what you want to do. Well, if you, that's if you want to make money, right? And very few people, <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to say that because very few people are able to make money from their passion. It's difficult. That's why they call it starving artists, you know? <laughs> Your passion, you won't be a starving artist, you know, if you go and work at Wall Street. And it, and it's it's the contrast of, Finding the balance between what you know what you like and what's profitable, and I'm not saying profitable is to become a multimillionaire. Yeah. You know, you just got to be content to a certain degree. Like, okay, I want to make this much money. You know, how can I serve people with the skill set with my strength? Yeah. You know, 
and, and, and move there. I know. I think that's right. And look, honestly, a lot of small businesses I talk to, that's what they're after. And particularly women, they're after that work-life balance. Like for me, I want to be able to pick up my son from school, you know. And really, the entrepreneur in me, the one that's a visionary, the one that explores and builds products and, you know, that's excited about stuff and sees the opportunity, that one could do it all day. Because it's, you know, I want to see if it works or not. I'm experimenting. So it's all about that love of exploring and understanding customers. And, you know, I do it for free except I've got to live. So I'm lucky in that I am sort of doing what I really love. But, yeah, it's hard, I think, for a lot of people to, um, you know, to set it up so that it does sort of tick all those boxes. Right. And you have to really do it with a clear head. You know, a lot of people tend to go into business, you know, out of, you know, they lost their job or, you know, they, they, they're not happy with what they have right now. And they want to, you know, if, if money is the main reason why, um, it, it, it's very difficult, yeah. you know. I think that that's right. I think that you can become enslaved to your business pretty quickly. Um, yeah. So, look, one of the final questions I wanted to ask you is, and I know you write a lot about this on your blog, and it, 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 it always comes across to me as, perhaps some of the most powerful writing you do and that's really about brand and around your story and there's been a few articles around this at the moment in terms of you know is the brand and particularly the personal brand um, becoming more and more important in your eyes than it perhaps has ever before I just wanted your take on that let's just start with you know if you go to the grocery store what are you? What is the brand that you buy? What milk do you buy? What bread do you buy? You know, what drinks do you buy? There is a, an association with credibility, authority, trust, you know, and and a certain degree an emotional connection with certain brands. That is why when people see, you know, Gap change their logo, they get upset, yeah. or you know, a certain company change their logo because they're they're used to it. And that's why I went and said, you know, change sucks because people like to be in their comfort zone. But with brands, it's literally about a relationship of how you feel because there's so much noise out there, you know, that literally you can go and there's all kinds of drinks, right? There's all kinds of chips you can buy, all kinds of, you know, products out there. But what people want to buy is a sense of like, okay, I want to buy something, but I want to feel good about that decision that I, decision that I've made. So it's kind of like I just bought a new car. I bought a new Honda. I really love it. It's a great car. You feel good about that, mm. right? That brand is essentially a feeling and a gut feeling that you have, and and that's how you kind of look at it and go, I have that comfort. You know that little um, um, uh, you know, feeling that you get when you think about the food. You know, like they like to say comfort food. Well, mm. that's in, in a way. Imagine you have comfort food, but you have comfort places for everything you do in life. You know, the phone you use, the computer you use. You have a relationship, and so I think brands, you know, in terms of of bringing that relationship to the table, you have to kind of invest in that. And say, look, I want to build this brand. I'm going to build a relationship with my audience this way. Mm. And that's how I look at brands because you have to connect on an emotional level. And then 
slowly make them understand what you're about. It's kind of like a friend, you know, you, you have a friend, you, you kind of know their background and you start to explain your friend to another person. And that's when you know that it's a brand. It's, it's just like personal branding. You know, people buy into the trust, people buy into that relationship. Even if, you know, I like to say this a lot to um, people that I work with is that, you know, if you have authority, like you're an expert, you're a PhD in something, but you have really bad personality. People might buy your books, you know, and go to your lecture, mm-hmm. but they don't like you. Mm. Okay. So they only do business because they're forced to, because you're that good. <laughs> but if, but if, but if you're okay, okay, but you're really likable, you're really trustworthy. People really like you. It's, it's okay. I'm going to buy your stuff. I, I want to be in the circle of trust. And that's the difference between people who sell great products and people who sell mediocre products is they have a relationship, you know? And so like, like I, I had a podcast with um, Guy Kawasaki. I read his book. He's got a great book, but his book has a lot to do with, you know, Robert Cialdini's influence. And I thought, you know, it was a good book, but it wasn't like groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. I liked it, but what he did was he go out and build a relationship with bloggers like me, sent me a book for free, and guess what? I went out and bought three more books, and I gave it to my readers because I thought it was a great book mm-hmm. you know, for people who want to learn about influence. And so essentially he gave one book out, and he got me to buy three in return. Pretty good investment, yeah. Pretty good investment, right? Yeah. And so that's his personal branding, not to mention that we gave – every blogger gave him a backlink. So he's page rank super high in Google. And within, you know, three, four weeks, his book became New York Times bestseller. Wow. Using the brand. Using his brand, right? Yeah. Well, it's sort of a, so, it reminds me a bit of Gary Vandershark as well, you know. I mean, it it's is, all it about is. the man, isn't it? <laughs> it? It is. But he, he – so he has knowledge. He has authority. But he also has likability. People like him. Yeah. Because he feels authentic. He feels real. Right? Absolutely. It, you know, it's kind of like I know that when I blog, I may ha- I have grammar mistakes, spelling mistakes. I might be writing and publishing it at four in the morning. But at the end of the day, it's not about perfect writing. It's about, you know, communicating. Like I know people want to read what I have to say or, you know, that, it, that they wanted to get my point of view on certain things. And so what I do is I try to put it in perspective and say, OK, this is what I think. This is what I think people can use this information for. And. Even if I come off with wrong spelling, which people email me, and it's, it's kind of funny. Hey, you spelled this wrong. You know? and, and I go, whoa, some, at least someone's, someone's reading, reading it. it. That's good. That, that's a good day for me because, I don't know, Eric, I'm in the same boat. I'm doing it at four in the morning often. You know, and an idea comes to me. I'm listening to something. Oh, I've got to write about that. And copywriting, you know, I just think if it's authentic, it's, it's, it's good. But what I wanted to say is, and maybe I just wanted to get your take on this is, you know, when I start with a small business, it's surprising how many of them, if they have a website at all, um, are actually talking to the customer that they want to talk to. I mean, that's novel. But also on the About Us page, they don't tell their story. And so even if forget web, forget internet, just I often encourage them to actually write down their story about them like so that I can get to know them just like you're sort of explaining your best friend would explain you, which you know, I love that. I'm going to use that because if I can 
if if they can write down their story in terms of their you know the personality the person that they are I can get a sense of their brand and so many people just you know they just don't do it it's all vanilla I don't think they get it. I mean, I go and show them like fresh books and, and you know, or, or even Wufu have their team and they explain a little bit about them and they have personality and and it all comes back to, yeah, as you said, you buy a relationship with someone and yet a lot of people just aren't disclosing any of that relationship at all. I think, um, I think a lot of times people don't equate you know, uh, people don't equate relationship with transactions, mm. and that's that's a big problem. Which is, people think, I know, my value is in my product. Why why do they care about who my brother is and where I came from? Mm. Where as opposed to because I know your brother, because I like you, because I where came from the same country, I'm more interested in what you have to say and sell. Yeah. And so the, the relationship actually is it, it's you know closer than people think, you know. And, and I like to say most of the time it's it's you want to build a transactional relationship for the long term, mm. not just a single transaction and they don't ever come back again. Mm. Yeah. Right. Exactly. When you have a relationship, people can come back and they can recommend you. There's word of mouth. They can you know be part of your business, but more importantly to me, it's part of your life. You know because. Business. A lot of people like to say business and personal is different. I like to say that at the end of the day, you get out of your office, you're just like everyone else. Yeah. Right. So if I go out, I a lot of times I go out with clients. We have a good time, and we talk about family, we talk about friends, and then we go back to work. And it's it's kind of like it makes us understand each other a lot more. And I think it's important for any business to understand that you really have to build a strong relationship with your customer. Absolutely. And, you know, showing them a little bit about you is probably one of the, the key steps. <laughs> well, you know, because it, it's kind of like I, it, your first date, right? You, you go on your first date, you don't know the guy or you don't know the girl, and you start dropping hints. Yeah, I kind of like movies, you know, <laughs> or yeah, I kind of like, I don't, I, I drink Diet Coke. Yeah. Because you're trying to build a connection. Yeah. If you don't have a connection, you're building your relationship because of your product. It's very difficult to to have a sustainable relationship for a long time, unless your product's so great, like the iPhone or the MacBook. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, that's, that's unique. Just, yeah, that's unique, right? Very rare. You know. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. Well, look, I, I really appreciate your time today. And if um, our listeners want to get some more of you, where's the best place to make um, make contact with you? Um, just visit my website at you know, designdamage.com. Just, you know, that'd, be, that'd be great. Well, thanks so much for your time, Eric. I really appreciate it and your insights and, you know, just having a general chat. And, you know, hopefully we can get you back again another day to um, to delve into perhaps some other areas around metrics and um, some other internet marketing strategies. No problem. It's my pleasure. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. Hi guys, um, I actually left the Skype record running after the initial podcast because I often find that's when the magic happens. Um, so I've added that to the end of this podcast just so you can um, enjoy some of the conversation that Eric and I had at the conclusion. Thanks for listening. Works or not.
But the long term, you want to have SEO. And then email is great for engagement. And then social media is, is great to build your reputation, you know, and, and, and create awareness. And all of them all help you build links. And so most companies, most agencies out there, um, I would say 99% of the agency out there, they're only very good in one thing, mm. not across the board. And that's why I, 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 I know my, my cracking the code of internet marketing is about integrating all the everything together because now it's time and people have been talking about this for a long time but no one is really doing it mm-hmm. um you know because now the technology is mature enough and applications and platforms are more integrated with apis yeah. so there's a lot of opportunities you know and so i i'm really excited about actually working with the people there and you know as an analyst i now i look at numbers all day matrix all day and and, and basically make sure that we can deliver the roi the client pays for and so when do you get to do design damage then <laughs> i come home and my wife gets pissed off at me and she just you know, she, she she thinks I'm married to my monitor, but, you know, uh, obviously I'm not. But it's just I, I come home and I start, you know, writing stuff down that I think it's it's important as the evolution of my growth. Yeah. Because another thing that I really enjoy doing is to um, – I get, like, a lot of emails from agency people, actually. They, they email me and they would give me their take on it. Yeah. And I like to have that conversation. And that's why I don't mind you – wanting to be part of this conversation or, 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 you know, even challenging the things that I say, because I believe that, um, you know, there's a lot of ways that you can leverage the same thing, but if you don't, you know, if you don't help each other out to see what's not there, I like to use that what's not there. Cause a lot of people only see what's there. They don't yeah. see what's not there. <laughs> exactly. And that's why, you know, I, I like my profitable knowledge course really is a, um, people used to pay me a thousand dollars for that course. And I just gave it out for free right now because, um, it's a, it's a course that I developed over the past year to really help people understand the baseline knowledge and the baseline thing about direct marketing. Yeah. And then because after that, after you learn the lessons, then you can apply that to internet marketing. And absolutely agree. It's it's really good stuff. I've been going through it. And, yeah, look, I agree with what you're saying about the integration as well. I, I, I don't know. It just feels like the bubble's about to burst and everyone's going to, you know, be in on that or, or at least are asking the questions about, um, you know, dashboards and, um, how do I, you know, how do I get these two applications to talk to each other? Like I just found out two days ago that Wufu was bought by Mailchimp, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh great, because and I was using Aweber, and I was using Zoho for different clients, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what? So I went into Mailchimp, and I'm thinking, fantastic, I can use the API code and pull it all in, and that's kind of nice. But you know what, Eric? They never all do everything. So no. they don't do, like Aweber does a really nice pop-up form. You know, of course right. the others don't. You know, some are good at forms, some are good at this, some are good at opt-in, opt-out. You know, they just never all do everything. So you end up having, you know, a number of tools in your suite. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's just the life. That's just the way it is. So are you, well, right. are you servicing any individual clients then or are you tied to... Um, no, I do actually. I I I have probably double digit single clients before, and now I I I have only probably like three really close clients that they're been with me for a while. Um, one of them is actually a really good friend of mine that 
he it's kind of funny. I'll just tell you real quick because I always like to tell his story. He teaches people how to dance. Oh, I like it. Right. So he's like, you know, like, I don't know if you've seen American Dad, this show called Dance with the Stars. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, right. So he, he teaches like salsa dancing and stuff like that. And long story short, his YouTube channel has like 5 million views. Oh, wow. And he doesn't know how to monetize it. This was you know, a couple years ago. So I started coaching him, and he was really poor, has no money. Yeah. And I got him to build a website on his own. You know, I, I coached him. I said, look, you got to do this on your own because if you outsource, it's too expensive for you. Yeah. So he did it, and now he has two or three DVDs out that he's selling, and he's coaching people over Skype and in person, <laughs> and he's making six figures. Oh man, he must right. love you. <laughs> well, you know, he's really good. He's a really good guy, you know, and he has a good guy. And I mean, he let's put it this way: he is in Dubai right now because one of his clients fly him there, flew him there to teach. You know, that's how he is a really good dancer. Oh wow! You know, and, it, and so it must give you a lot of personal satisfaction to have it done does. that. It, yeah. And I and I and I and a lot of the times, it's not even about money. Yeah. Um, it's, it's about helping someone and getting someone to where they want to go, Yeah, you know, and that's why I'm, I, I do help people sometimes for free. A lot of, most of the time I don't mind giving out free advice or just kind of, you know, talk about how, you know, things I can help people because I, I love marketing. And one of the things I love about marketing really is because marketing has a bad rep. I don't know about you, but a lot of people, especially in America, think marketing is just getting people to buy stuff. Yeah. I don't believe that. I believe marketing is helping the customer finding the best thing that's in their best interest and matching that for businesses and vendors. So helping businesses to find the best customer for them and helping customers find the best business for them. Exactly. It's a two-way street. Yeah, I agree. You know, but it's very saturated because there are so many people that learn the skills and they start manipulating people. Yeah. And it took, I don't know, that's why I think this personal brand is important because, you know, it's not just what you sell, it's how you sell it. It's the how. Right. It's, the, it's, like you said, it's the relationship stuff. And um, I, look, you know, don't tell anyone, but I'd obviously do this for free. <laughs> and I often do, like a lady rang me this morning and she's got, you know, she's in HR and her business has gone down the toilet, no one's recruiting. And I said to her, do you know what? There are so many people outsourcing at the moment, even me. I said, why right. don't you look into that world because that's booming and you still need that skill set of somebody to pick the right candidate to match the skills to do that. And look, a lot of the VAs and, and services over here are still overseas, but imagine if you had your contact here. You know, it just makes right. the whole thing easier and, you know, if she has a percentage off that. We're not like we're you know they're not charging oodles per hour people would be prepared to pay for that service so i've sent her away saying go and research it (laughs) you know and so she isn't you know she's got this other jewelry business and you know there's no call to action there's you know oh my god it's a mess and you know she really doesn't have the money to afford to pay me but i just can't help myself (laughs) no i i know i know i and, and but then the thing is you have to look at it right um, in in the stuff that I do today, yeah, I talk I talk about it in, in a more bigger scale way. But it was what I call it, you know the intrinsic value, right? The incremental value. So you have people might give you the business when they become profitable. Yes, that's right? right. But if you but if you so let's put it this way, 
If you never help that person and he's never successful, he's never coming back to you, you're never going to have that business. Yeah, exactly. But if you help that person, not only do you feel good, but you have an opportunity to make that person successful, come back for more, pay you money, and tell other people. Exactly. And, I mean, I must admit that's not the motivation for me doing it, and I don't think it is for you either, but it is a spin-off, isn't it? I mean, it is, but that's why you had to find the right per- people, right yeah. person, right? Like I help out that my friend of that friend of mine. In fact, I gave him a lot of free advice for a year, mm-hmm. maybe almost two years. He didn't come to me. Mm-hmm. On the third year, one day he called me out of the blue. He goes, "I'm ready. I have the money. Let's do it." <laughs> I never said it's gonna be free. I said, "Money is there, so you can commit to it." Yeah. If you don't pay, if if you think it's gonna all free, you're not gonna do what I tell you to do. Well, that's right. Where's the where's the commitment behind right? it? Right. So if if you work your your butt off and you got these the money that you work your butt off with to pay me, well, you better you know do <laughs> the right things. Otherwise, you just throw that money down the toilet. <laughs> that's right. There's gotta right? be some and, skin and so in the game. I'm yeah. happy. I told him when he came to me. I said, I'm so excited that I can take your money. And he started looking at me all funny. And I, and I go, yeah, I'm excited you know, because I can help you now. Yeah. You're committed. Right. You're committed right. with and the right headspace. Right. And, and also, I also tell him, I said, has to be at least for six months, blah, blah, blah. And he just you know, did it. He did it all. And today he's doing so good that you know, sometimes he still comes to me for you know, a session or two. And I still charge him and stuff, but it's not about money anymore no. because he's in a good place now. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow! What a good, what a good, um, what a good story. <laughs> what a good <laughs> thing to have happen, and you know that's why we do it, isn't it? It's good to know yeah. when there's a marriage between you know what your talents are and that person that you want to help. I mean, there's just nothing that feels any better than that. Oh, I'm sure you do that too in your business. You know, I I I looked up you know your your website, your blog. I, I can tell you you do you're doing good stuff, and I and I really respect people like you who help small business because I was doing that, you know. And I know it gets frustrating at times. Small yeah. business mentality, you know. <laughs> it can. They want everything for nothing, and <laughs> yeah. you know. It can, but, but it's, I, it's good though. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's – and also when you grow the business, like one of the things that I've learned when I start growing the business is that, you know, uh, the relationship, client relationship gets better and better and better. And it takes less work. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's kind of like I don't have to take 10 hours with 50 slides to convince you to do this now. Yes. <laughs> I don't have to explain the benefits of why we have to start here. And yeah, it, I mean, you do, but you don't have to like you know hard sell it. It's no. very soft, very easy. Yeah, it's just that the people stuff often is slow, you know, because it it, it is an educational process. I mean, as you said, you know, the landscape is changing so quickly under their feet. For me to explain the options when we're actually in that lead generation section of that whole customer life cycle, if you like, it does take some education because they're not across all the all the um, touch points, you know, they're just not across it. So it's a lot of consulting, a lot of one-on-one stuff. But what you said is right, the people that are willing to invest the time and particularly because I need to actually do, you know, I actually have to get inside their head and their business and that doesn't just happen in an hour. 
you know, it, it happens over time and then I can better serve them. And, you know, one of the first things I do, Eric, often I ask when was the last time you spoke to a customer or have you done a customer survey or have you asked for any feedback? And you know what? Often they've had this database sitting there that they've never even touched and just right. by doing that, you should see the feedback that comes back, especially if they don't even know what their value proposition is. It just right. it comes back in the customer's words time after time and they're just blown away by it, but they never thought to ask. <laughs> it's just like it's because, not that hard. You know, that's the you don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah, that's and, right. And oftentimes, especially small businesses, Half the time they worry about finance. They worry about money, and and it's very difficult when you're, you know, uh, financially stressed, or you know, you're you you have other things you can't think clearly. And that's one of the reasons why I started coaching business owners instead of just doing it for them. Because I was a designer, I can do websites, mm-hmm. I can do programming, everything on my website I design and create. You know, all my graphic I design myself. Mm-hmm. But the idea here is, I told. My clients, I said, look, oh, you want me to design that for you? Sure. It'll be like $5,000 because that's how my time is worth. But here, <laughs> go to Elance or go to Odesk, find someone, it's going to be like 50 bucks. Yeah. Right? And and they're like, but why don't why don't you do it? And I said, it's not what I don't want to do it. It's because you become reliable on me and there's too much leverage. You want to be independent business, not put all your egg in a basket, even on me. Exactly. And, and, and they don't get it <laughs> sometimes, they, you know. And look, I've even got a slightly different take on that. I don't want to spend my time building websites. I want to spend my time working on the marketing strategy. So if you're going to pay me, pay me to do that and outsource the other things because, you know, I can direct the brief and, I, you know, the best use of me is to, you know, for me to set up that strategy so that you've got this sales lead generation and you know my tag is you know build a brand that your employees are going to love so they've got to be happy and that your customers are going to love and then you've got a business and and so those tactic things I think you know yeah sure we can do them but I'm trying to move away from that and just do the bit that I'm really good at and uh, right the rest that's is why commodity. I think really smart I think that's really smart because that uh, you're doing things that you're good at, you're, you're, you're building on your strength, you know, and, and that's how you're going to be able to get things done. And that's the, the problem most business owners have, small business owners have, is that they think no one can do their job better than them. Yeah. You know, a lot of times like, oh, I got to do that. And, and then they, they don't see it. And, you know, to me, I think um, a lot of the clients that I used to deal with, um, most of the time I come in to put out the fires. They either had a bad consultant before, or their web hosting guy or hosting, you know, is um, ho- uh, holding their website hostage. Yeah, you know, and, and it's it sucks, you know, and and I just couldn't believe that they don't take any action. And here I am, I have to solve every business, you know, <laughs> problem they have for them, you know, down to employees. You know, sometimes I even train their employees and stuff like that. Yeah, and and it just gets to a point where I go, you know what? I have to, you know, use my time better. Yeah, and I have to serve you better by doing the things that you should be paying me for. So, you know, you need to actually go to Elance or you need to actually outsource this here. But if you're going to pay me, then you should use me here. And I want to be redundant. I want to come in and do this and do it so well 
that it works for you. And then if there's another project, great. Because otherwise, what's the point? So, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting conversation. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like taking up a lot of your time now, probably. But... Oh, well... Hey, thanks for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this podcast. For more great marketing tips, go to Dan's blog at www.daniellemcginnis.com and sign up for her marketing tips or visit her website at www.mcginnismarketing.com.au. Catch you next time. Thank you.